Peace be upon you. So there's this joke from the uh, comedian Emo Phillips, who was popular back in the uh, 70s and 80s, uh, that goes something like this. It says, I was walking across a bridge one day, and I saw a man standing on the edge about to jump. I ran over and said, stop, don't do it. Why shouldn't I? He asked. Well, there's so much to live for. Like what? Are you religious? He said, yes. I said, me too. Are you Christian or Buddhist? Christian. Me too. Are you Catholic or Protestant? Protestant. Me too. Are you Episcopalian or Baptist? Baptist. Wow. Me too. Are you Baptist Church of God or Baptist Church of the Lord? Baptist Church of God. Me too. Are you Original Baptist Church of God or are you Reformed Baptist Church of God? Reformed Baptist Church of God. Me too. Are you Reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation 1879, or Reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation 1915? He said, Reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation 1915. I said, die, heretic scum, and push them off. The reason I bring up this, uh, this joke is because it's interesting. There's this tendency among individuals who share 99.99% of the same belief that if there's a deviation of a percent or fraction of a percent, that they will deem the other person the worst of the worst, the, the, the individuals who are going to be at the bottom pit of hell. And uh, there's a term coined by Sigmund Freud uh, called the narcissism of small differences, which was an observation that if you had two individuals who had completely opposite views, uh, they wouldn't, you know, uh, dispute in regards to much. But then you take two individuals that will share so much of the same similarities, yet they will focus on that one iota of difference and have the greatest disdain for that other individual. This is predominantly apparent in religious communities where two groups will see eye to eye on so many things, but may have the slightest difference of understanding on some minute topic. And because of that, will label the other side as hypocrites, idol worshippers, disbelievers. In Surah 49 verse 10, it reads, The believers are members of one family. You shall keep the peace within your family and reverence God that you may attain mercy. The typical excuse individuals make for such behavior is that they are just being safe. The irony is that God tells us that if we do this to other believers, then in no uncertain terms, we will be transgressors according to God. In Surah 6 verse 52, it reads, Do not dismiss those who implore their Lord day and night, devoting themselves to Him alone. You are not responsible for their reckoning, nor are they responsible for your reckoning. If you dismiss them, you will be a transgressor. God is telling us in no uncertain terms that if we dismiss individuals who implore their Lord day and night, that we will be a transgressor. And we can't make this excuse to say, look, I'm going to fall into transgression to avoid transgression. You have to stay that middle ground where God is saying what's acceptable and what's not. God informs us that if we break into sex, that if we divide the believers, that this is a form of idol worship, the single sin that God will not forgive if maintained until death. In Surah 30, verse 31 through 32, it reads, You shall submit to him, reverence him, observe the contact prayer salat, and whatever you do, do not ever fall into idol worship like those who divide their religion into sects, each party rejoicing with what they have. So again, we cannot be a transgressor or commit idol worship in order to avoid being a transgressor or idol worshiper. 
This means that God is setting limits, boundaries, and we cannot exceed those boundaries because if we do, by definition, we would be transgressors because we're transgressing the laws that God has set. And this is what the devil wants to do. The devil wants to push people to one extreme or the other, either dismiss anyone who has the slightest iota difference of understanding or the other extreme, which is accept everyone irrespective of what their belief is, their behavior is. Both are wrong according to the Quran. An example of this is in Surah 48, verse 29, where God is talking specifically with Prophet Muhammad. It reads, Muhammad, the messenger of God and those with him, are harsh and stern against the disbelievers, but kind and compassionate amongst themselves. You see them bowing and prostrating as they seek God's blessings and approval. Their marks are on their faces because of prostrating. This is the same example as in the Torah. Their example in the Gospels, like plants that grow taller and stronger, and pleases the farmers. He thus enrages the disbelievers. God promises those among them who believe and lead a righteous life forgiveness and a great recompense. Here God is telling the prophet that the trait of the believer is that he's harsh and stern against the disbelievers, but kind and compassionate amongst themselves. So we have to be able to distinguish the individuals that we are able to befriend from those that we consider enemies and we're harsh and stern towards. The sensitivity of doing this is best depicted in Surah 4, verse 94. It uh, reads, O you who believe, if you strike in the cause of God, you shall be absolutely sure. Do not say to one who offers you peace, you are not a believer seeking the spoils of this world, for God possesses infinite spoils. Remember that you used to be like them, and God blessed you. Therefore, you shall be absolutely sure before you strike. God is fully cognizant of everything you do. Despite the context of this verse being war in the sense of striking and the spoils of war, it's a lesson for us to apply in our day-to-day -day lives. That if we are going to deem someone an enemy of God, an idol worshiper, a disbeliever, that we don't do this willy-nilly. That we understand the seriousness of doing such a thing. That if someone is offering us peace, is being equitable to us, that we have no justification to be harsh and stern against this person. So who are these individuals that God is telling us that we are supposed to be harsh and stern with, that we are not supposed to treat them as a friend? We see one example in Surah 3, verse 118 through 120. It reads, O you who believe, do not befriend outsiders who never cease to wish you harm. They even wish to see you suffer. Hatred flows out of their mouths, and what they hide in their chests is far worse. We thus clarify the revelations for you if you understand. So God so far is telling us, do not befriend people who wish ill upon us, who have hatred for us, that are coming out of their mouth and what they hide in their chest. And it continues, here you are loving them while they do not love you, and you believe in all the scripture. When they meet you, they say, we believe. But as soon as they leave, they bite their fingers out of rage towards you. Say, die in your rage. God is fully aware of the innermost thoughts. When anything good comes your way, they hurt. And when something bad happens to you, they rejoice. If you steadfastly persevere and maintain righteousness, their schemes will never hurt you. God is fully aware of everything they do. God is letting us know that these individuals who are wishing us harm, who are cursing us, 
who have hatred flowing out of their mouths inside their chest, that hurt when something good comes our way and rejoice when some hardship comes our way, that these individuals we are not to befriend. These are the individuals that God is telling us to be harsh and stern with. And the best commandments to who we are allowed to be friends with and who we are not is covered in Surah 60, verse 8 and 9. It reads, God does not enjoin you from befriending those who do not fight you because of religion and do not evict you from your homes. You may befriend them and be equitable towards them. God loves the equitable. God is telling us we're free to be friends with anyone, irrespective of their belief, as long as they're not fighting us, they're not evicting us from our homes, that these individuals we can be friends with, we can be equitable with, we can be friendly with. And it continues in Surah 60 verse 9, it says, God enjoins you only from befriending those who fight you because of religion, evict you from your homes, and band together with others to banish you. You shall not befriend them, those who befriend them are the transgressors. So we see that if we dismiss people who believe, who are not fighting us, who are not evicting us, who are not banishing uh, us in collaboration with other people, that God is saying, if you dismiss those people, you will be a transgressor. And at the same time, if you befriend individuals who are fighting you because of religion, who are evicting you from your homes, who are banding together to others to banish you, to cancel you, God is telling you, do not befriend these people, that if you do that, you also will be a transgressor. So these are our two bounds. Anyone who falls in between, who is being kind to us, who is being respectful to us, who is not fighting us, God is telling us there is no justification whatsoever to be harsh and stern with these individuals. There is one other caveat that God has towards the people of the previous scripture. In Surah 5, verse 57, it says, O you who believe, do not befriend those among the recipients of the previous scripture who mock and ridicule your religion, nor shall you befriend disbelievers. You shall reverence God if you are really believers. So God is telling us in this verse that people of the previous scripture who uh, mock and ridicule our religion, that we are not to befriend them. This concept of you shall not befriend the disbelievers also falls upon Surah 68 and 9, where it's strictly those who are fighting you uh, because of religion, evicting you from your homes and banding together with others to banish or to cancel. Now, what the devil wants is for us to compromise on this, to create justifications for individuals that God is telling us not to befriend or to over-extrapolate and dismiss individuals who God is telling us not to dismiss. In Surah 68, verse 7, it says, Your Lord is fully aware of those who strayed off His path, and He is fully aware of those who are guided. Do not obey the rejectors. They wish that you compromise, so they too can compromise. This is the criteria of the devil's agents. What they want us to do is go to one extreme or the other, to push us towards one side or the other and defy the words of God in the Quran. One of the verses that individuals often cite to justify uh, the use of kind of force or aggression to get people to refrain from committing sin is Surah 8 verse 25. It reads, Beware of the retribution that may not be limited to the evildoers among you. You should know that God's retribution is severe. The fact that this verse is saying that it's not limited, the retribution may not be limited to the evildoers among you, is that individuals in a society who condone sinful behavior that despite 
them not being the ones who carry out the evil behavior, by the fact of condoning the behavior, are allowing it to happen. So when the retribution comes, they will serve a portion of that responsibility. So to avoid falling into that pitfall, some individuals ultimately make the argument to try to justify force or aggression in order to make people comply to create a so-called righteous society. But this cuts both ways. In one hand, we should never condone sinful behavior. We should never justify individuals committing sin, breaking God's commandment. But at the same time, we should never force or use aggression to push people to trying to get them to be righteous. You'll see in some extremes, individuals trying to create justifications for other sinful behavior. And this is wrong. It reads in Surah 4, verse 107 through 111, it says, Do not argue on behalf of those who have wronged their own souls. God does not love any betrayer guilty. They hide from the people and do not care to hide from God, though He is with them uh, as they harbor ideas He dislikes. God is fully aware of everything they do. Here you are arguing on their behalf in this world. Who's going to argue with God on their behalf on the day of resurrection? Who's going to be their advocate? Anyone who commits evil or wrongs his soul, then implores God for forgiveness, will find God forgiving most merciful. Anyone who earns a sin earns it to the detriment of his own soul. God is omniscient, most wise. These verses are telling us that we are not doing anyone any favors by being nice in the sense of trying to sugarcoat sinful behavior. That we should not argue to defend individuals who are committing sin and transgression to try to justify their actions. We have to be upfront as far as where we stand. We can remind, we can give examples, we can debate in the best possible manner, but we should never lie or deceive ourselves to argue on the behalf of sinful conduct. We have to be upfront as far as where we draw the line. We say, look, this is sinful, this isn't acceptable, but at the end of the day, people are free to choose. And this is the balancing act that believers have to uh, uphold, that we can't use aggression and force to try to get people to comply to being righteous. And at the same time, we can't sugarcoat sinful behavior and act like, oh, it's fine, it's okay, people commit idol worship, people commit adultery, it's not a problem. We have to be upfront. And there is a tactful way of doing this. And an ideal example of this comes from Abraham. Consider how he dealt with the people who were blatant idol worshipers, that, you know, despite the fact of them worshiping statues, throwing him into the fire, that he still, he argued and debated with them in the best possible manner. He gave them examples and tried to reason with them. And even his own father, we read in Surah 19, verse 41 through 48, it reads, mentioned in the scripture, Abraham, he was a saint, a prophet. And this word that is translated as saint is sedigon, which means a person who speaks truth. And it continues in 1942, he said to his father, Oh, my father, why do you worship what can neither hear nor see nor help you in any way? Oh, my father, I have received certain knowledge that you did not receive. Follow me and I will guide you in a straight path. Oh, my father, do not worship the devil. The devil has rebelled against the most gracious. Oh, my father, I fear lest you incur retribution from the most gracious, then become an ally of the devil. 
He, Abraham's father, said, Have you forsaken my gods, O Abraham? Unless you stop, I will stone you. Leave me alone. He, Abraham, said, Peace be upon you. I will implore my Lord to forgive you. He has been most kind to me. I will abandon you and the gods you worship beside God. I will worship only my Lord. By imploring my Lord alone, I cannot go wrong. Here, Abraham is showing how to be stern, firm, even against his own father who's threatening to stone him and still speak the truth, that he's unwavering in his belief, that he's going to stand, speak the truth, but he's going to do it in a way that's respectful and kind. And specifically the fact that this is his father, God commands us to honor our parents. In Surah 31, verse 15, God tells us how we are to behave towards our parents if they try to force us to set up idols. It reads, if they try to force you to set up any idols beside me, do not obey them, but continue to treat them amicably in this world. You shall follow only the path of those who have submitted to me. Ultimately, you all return to me. Then I will inform you of everything you have done. The Quran utilizes the non-aggression principle, meaning under no circumstances is a follower of the Quran allowed to be the aggressor in a situation, but by every means they have to defend themselves, to stand up for their rights, to retaliate in a just, equitable manner. But the system that God encourages is not just to stand up for your rights, not just tit for tat, but an element of leaning towards forgiveness. In Surah 42, verse 40, it reads, Although the just requital for an injustice is an equivalent retribution, those who pardon and maintain righteousness are rewarded by God. He does not love the unjust. If we are going to err on a side, God is telling us to err on the side of forgiveness, to pardon, to give people the benefit of the doubt. But this does not mean that we're pushovers, that we under all circumstances stand for the truth that we remind, that we try to set a good example. In Surah 7, verse 198, it reads, When you invite them to the guidance they do not hear, and you see them looking at you, but they do not see, you shall resort to pardon, advocate tolerance, and disregard the ignorant. In Surah 90, verse 11 through 18, it reads, He should choose the difficult path. Which one is the difficult path? The freeing of slaves, feeding during the time of hardship, orphans who are related or the poor who is in need, and being one of those who believe in exhorting one another to be steadfast and exhorting one another to be kind. These have deserved happiness. God is the one who sets our limits in the religion, telling us what is lawful and what is unlawful. What Satan wants to do is to push us towards those extremes of what is transgressing God's laws, to go beyond the limits that God has set. Here we have the scenario where God is telling us, do not dismiss those who implored their Lord day and night. That if we strike, we have to be absolutely sure. And we can't strike anyone who's being kind, equitable, uh, who's offering us peace. That it's only a subset of individuals who are mean and nasty and hostile and wishing us harm and trying to do their utmost to attack us, to fight us because of religion, to evict us from our homes, to join others, to banish us or cancel us, that these individuals we are not to befriend. And under no circumstances should we compromise on the truth that you might be against individuals who are speaking falsehood and disbelief that under no circumstances do we give a pass 
to sinful behavior that we always remind ultimately people are free to make whatever decision they want but we should never sugarcoat their idol worship their sinful conduct to try to justify it as righteous or they don't know any better that we have to be upfront we have to be respectful but speak the truth at the end of the day we're going to make mistakes we're going to transgress these limits we have to do our utmost to try to preserve and do what God commands us to do, which is going to be in stark contrast to what the devil is going to be pushing for us to do. In Surah 7, verse 200 through 202, it reads, When the devil whispers to you any whisper, seek refuge in God. He is the hearer, omniscient. Those who are righteous, whenever the devil approaches them with an idea, they remember, whereupon they become seers. Their brethren ceaselessly entice them to go astray. The devil is always going to try his utmost to push us towards these extreme, to either dismiss those who God specifically tells us not to dismiss, or to be too kind and loving towards those who God is telling us not to be kind and loving to. In Surah 55, verse 8 and 9, it reads, You shall not transgress the law. You shall establish justice. Do not violate the law. God is the one who sets the law. It is our duty to try to uphold that law to the best of our ability. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions, please hit us up at QuranTalk at gmail.com. If you want to follow along the verses of the Quran, please download the Quran Study app on the iOS app store or go to the QuranCityApp.com website. And if you like the podcast, please share it with other people. Leave us a review. And until next time, peace and God bless. We should all learn to love each other. Once I was in San Francisco, walking along the Golden Gate Bridge, and I saw this guy on the bridge about to jump. I thought I'd try to stall him, detain him, long enough for me to put the film in. I said, don't jump, and he turns. You heard of the elephant man. He had the head like the head of a horse. And my heart went out to him. I said, why the long face? <laughs> he said, all my life, people have called me cruel names like Flicka or Trigger, silver, chess piece. I said, well, don't worry about it, Ed. <laughs> it can't be that bad. He said, oh, yeah? How would you like to go through your whole life as a freak? I said, well, he said, well, you're a bad example. <laughs> I said, come on, you're not the only person in this world saddled with a few problems. <laughs> Don't be mule-headed. Stop horsing around and get down from there, you silly ninny. He said, why go on? In a hundred years, the planet will be uninhabitable. In 10 million years, the sun will burn out. In a hundred billion years, all matter will disintegrate from the universe. I said, perhaps, but in the meantime, in between time, ain't we got fun? 
Besides, you're forgetting about God. He said, how do you know there's a God? I said, of course there's a God. Do you think billions of years ago, a bunch of molecules floating around at random without rhyme or reason could someday have had the sense of humor to make you look like that? <laughs> he said, I used to believe in God. I said, that's good. Were you a Christian or a Jew? He said, a Christian. I said, me too. Protestant or Catholic? He said, Protestant. I said, me too. What franchise? <laughs> he says, Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? He says, Northern Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? He says, Northern Conservative Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist or Northern Conservative Reform Baptist? He says, Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region, Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Eastern Region. He says, Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1879. Or Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. He says, Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. I said, die, a heretic. <laughs> I pushed him over.